Welcome to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. I'm your co-host, Erin Todd. I'm a writer and an intuitive eater. And I'm your co-host, Charlie Castle, registered dietitian and exercise physiologist. We're here to help you discover whole health for your mind, body, and soul. That's right. Our goal is to embody scripture, ditch dieting, and live on purpose. Woo! Woo! Yes, girl. We're so excited to have Megan Rademacher as a guest on the podcast today to share a little bit about her God story, her food story, and the lessons the Lord has taught her along the way. Megan is a non-diet dietitian and weight-neutral professional that focuses on a grace-rooted approach to health and intuitive eating. Her goal is to empower individuals to make beneficial, lifelong behavior changes that will positively impact their overall well-being and foster a healthy relationship with food, body image, and most importantly, their creator. Megan has a master's degree in public health nutrition. She's worked in senior living since grad school and recently started a new job at a new veterans community in Michigan. In this episode, Megan shares about embracing our identity and letting it transform our health. This episode is brought to you by our podcast workbook. We might be in season two already, but the season one podcast workbook is just too good of a resource to leave behind. Unless you've worked through all of those 14 episodes from season one, that's the four foundational teachings, and then each of the 10 principles of intuitive eating, one at a time, unless you've worked through all of that with your podcast workbook in your hand, then you're missing out. We created the season one content and the podcast workbook to be done together as a way for you to go deeper and bring these principles to life. So it doesn't matter if you've already listened or if you've listened out of order or if you haven't listened at all yet. We want you to treat season one like an online course and turn your listening into living by using our podcast workbook. You can get it over on our website intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. That's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. Before we jump into our conversation with Megan, as a reminder for all of our podcast episodes, this program is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Our aim is to introduce you to the principles of intuitive eating and help you to see how those principles align with scripture so you can improve your relationship with food, your body, and God, and cast out dieting for good. Okay, welcome, Megan. We're so glad to have you here with us today. Yay, thanks so much. I'm so excited to chat with you, ladies. Yeah, so could you start us off by just... um, giving us a little peek into your faith. Like when did you meet Jesus? Yeah, definitely. So I, um, grew up a Christian. I've grown up always knowing, um, Jesus as my Lord and savior, but honestly, it wasn't really until after grad school that I had this transformative redemption where I decided I wanted to walk out my faith. Like I wanted to embrace that relationship with Jesus. And I wanted to actually honor him with um, more areas of my life than I currently was. Um, And that also was a point in my life where I had moved back home from grad school, ended a longer term relationship. And there was just like a lot of change, a lot of brokenness. I was feeling very insecure. a lot of things that just kind of snowballed and God really, really, really just poured into me in that time. I was just feeling, you know, un- unsecure in my identity, um, unworthy. And he just poured his love, his grace. Um, I ended up like claiming the word of the year for the year worthy because I felt anything but that. Um, and that was going into 2019, um, I decided to claim that word because I kind of heard God starting to speak that into me, but I really didn't believe it quite yet. But I can tell you by the end of that year, I just 
fully embraced, you know, my relationship and my walk with God. And it really has been transformational. So I that's love kind that. of where I'm at into now. Yeah. What a great word of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Megan, what did that look like, um, like in a practical sense on the day-to-day? Like, how did you start making that change? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So, I mean, one thing was moving back and kind of re-rooting um, in my church home that I had grown up in. And, um, you know, the sermon series, even at the time, like, wow, talk about the word being a living word. Um, we were talking about the story of Jonah and it was just so me, like I had just kind of really started to run away from God, kind of take the reins on my own life. And, you know, God brought me back. That was the whole story of Jonah is he brings you back to where he wants you to be. Um, and, and now like this year, I, I look back and I'm like, wow, like here I am, like leading my women's small group leading in our middle school ministry. And if you would have told me that a couple of years ago, I would have been like, no, like God doesn't use people like me, you know? Um, But I would say day to day. So, you know, going back to church and then in 2019, I also made a big goal to be in the word every single day. So that looks different every day. Sometimes it would be the Bible app on my phone. Sometimes it would be sitting with my physical Bible but I really did prioritize that. And that also was transformational. Um, I got really into listening to worship music just throughout my entire day. I was battling with anxiety quite a bit, um, panic attacks and worship was just something that like brought me so much peace and still does to this day. Um, And that was worship music was also something to help that helped me to physically fully surrender. Um, I was temporarily living like an hour and a half away from where I live now and where I'm from. And I actually, before I rerouted in my church home, I went to a small church where I didn't know anyone, just showed up at a worship night and was just like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to worry about the human awkwardness. Like, God, I'm here. Like, And for the first time, like praised him with my arms in the air and just like fully surrendered, like, and that, you know, even that physical posture has just really transformed my heart. Um, So now I just love worship on Sunday mornings. I'm glad we're able to um, safely meet, you know, with masks on and physically distance and things like that in our church. Um, But yeah, definitely recharging weekly with worship, with church, and then just daily with, with the word, with prayer. Um, And I, I'm fortunate that sometimes when I'm charting, I'm like able to listen to worship music and things like that. Staying connected is very important. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Worship music has had that um, effect over me as well. And sometimes I actually have questioned lately when I was (laughs) figuring out what to give up for Lent. I was like, I think I might be addicted to worship music. But then I was like, well, (laughs) like there's probably worse things to be addicted to, but like it literally transforms your mood and your attitude. And I totally get that with the first time to fully like physically worship with your, with your arms up, standing Mm -hmm. up, like dancing if you're moved to do it. Like I just, um, I was afraid to do that for a while and I just, um, have really embraced that now. So I love that. I love that having that same effect on you too. I just want to encourage anybody who's never done that. Just try it. You, you (laughs) will not be disappointed and you'll know what we're like giggling about over here. And I'm like not a good singer. So that was like, and then I've like, we're friends with, um, some of our worship team and I've told them before, I'm like, I just close my eyes and just worship. Like if I can't see you, you can't see me. Like it's fine. It's just yeah. me God. Like that's the way it's meant to be. <laughs> I love it. Um, so interesting. You were talking about, you know, your church at the time was talking about Jonah and I just like Aaron and I, we talk about those like being God winks. It's so awesome how like sermon series and stuff, you'll just be like, oh my gosh, this is for me. Like, yes. this is exactly what I needed in this time. And yeah. it's so awesome. Uh, and about the worship music, I have to, I have to share this because the Jonah story and your story, 
Aaron and I just discovered the new Lauren Dangle song, Hold On To Me. Okay. Uh, that one just oh came my God. Oh, It's so good. And that's totally what it just reminded me of. Like, even when we are like walking away or not meeting with him, like he's holding on to us and mm-hmm. he'll bring us back. Yeah, so um, good. Yeah. So good. You said something, Megan, that... I know you recognize is a lie now and I want to dig into it a little bit. Um, You said God doesn't use people like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he, he sure does. Um, With my small group, we actually um, just did one of Jess Conley's books in the fall. You are the girl for the job. Mm. And, you know, God had already been pouring into me for a year, my worth and calling, but that book too, really, one of the quotes that has really stuck out to me is, um, he doesn't call the qualified, he equips the called. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, I mean, you look at now we're studying Galatians, like you, and you look at like Paul and you look at other people's stories in the Bible and it's like, God is all about the transformation. He's all about the redemption story. Um, And yeah, he can just use you where you're at. He can mold you. Um, So yeah, I, I definitely bought into, to that lie that my humanness wasn't good enough, that choices that I made um, made me less close to God, but it, it really was such a quick transformation and redemption that it was almost like overwhelming and still is to think about, but like also such a beautiful thing. Um, And also one thing that kind of helped me through that was hearing um, other women's testimonies and things like that, um, being involved in small groups and just kind of finding that community. Um, I don't know if I would call it a mistake, but I feel like one thing I've kind of done in the past is trying to do it on my own. Like we really do need community, but it's when we're, and I, I'm an introvert. So like I have lived alone, you know, like through grad school, things like that. But when we're holding things in, when we're not finding our people that we can open up to, and when, when the devil is allowing us to be isolated, he can really so easily get into our heads and, work those lies from all angles. And I definitely experienced that too. And I'm, I mean, I'm grateful for one of my best friends and my sister that, you know, would just text me truth and inspiration too, when they knew I was going through a hard time, because it can be easy to want to do it on our own to think we can do it, but we really need God. We really need community. Um, Such important things. Yeah. Yeah. So what were some of the other lies other than God can't use me. What, what were some of those lies you were being whispered to by the enemy? I was definitely struggling with forgiving myself. Um, I, without going into like too much detail, I had kind of an interesting dating history. Um, I have a little bit of an interesting journey, I guess, just kind of backing up. I grew up with a pretty normal American family. I have an older sister. She's two and a half years older than me. Um, And then when I was a week before my 13th birthday, our family was complete. My two younger sisters were adopted. They're from Haiti. Um, So they really completed our family, but also a lot of, a lot changed in our family, of course, that you can't expect, you can't anticipate, you know, they both had traumas of their own of being adopted and being new to the United States and things like that. And then here I was starting a whole new chapter of my life being now a teenager at 13. Um, And basically I, I got into, I got bullied a little bit when I was 14. So I already had just some like insecurities and things like that. Um, and then I ended up starting to date someone when I was 15, which looking back was a very unhealthy relationship, um, things like that. So I, I always had the foundation of my faith, but I really kind of let that just get put aside. Whereas Mm -hmm. I feel like working with middle schoolers now and just owning my faith more, I feel like the one thing that I 
makes my heart so happy is just feeling people or seeing people live out their identity in Christ in all different realms of their life in all different seasons, because we're still going to have hard seasons. Like the Bible doesn't tell us become a Christian. It's going to be easy. It's actually a lot of times the opposite. Right. Yeah. Um, but when God is with us, it's just different. It's so different having that peace and his strength. Um, and I didn't have that. I really, I had the foundation of faith, but I really didn't have that strength to draw on when I was, you know, going through times where, you know, I was making choices that I, I regretted making. And then, so just later in life, I, you know, things change and I kind of started pursuing things on my own. Like I got into a healthier relationship in my younger twenties, but it still was pursuing me pursuing desires of the flesh. And that was actually a very hard relationship to end because there wasn't really anything wrong with it by the way of the world. Right. Um, but it just, I felt a little, there was something missing. There was there was God missing in it. Um, and that was, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I guess. And then after I went through like a, a dark, hard season, um, I really like reconnected with God. And honestly, sooner than I even expected, he brought my now fiance into my life. And I mean, talk about knowing that God was working behind the scenes the whole time. So my fiance, Jonathan, is someone that actually grew up going to the same church as me. Our families have kind of known each other over the years. Um, and what God had been working in my heart just to, to feel my worth in him, to find my identity in him, and to also start living more obediently. Because that really is how we bear the fruitfulness from him, right? Like being connected to the vine, being connected to that spiritual nourishment. Um, so that was a big thing, changing actual tangible things in my life. And I'll, I'll be completely raw and honest. I'm open with this with family and friends as we being 27, 28 year olds decided to start a relationship focused on purity. And that is so counterculture nowadays. Oh. Um, yes. We're not living together before we get married. Um, he's actually finishing school three hours away from me. Um, but yeah, there's been so much faithfulness of God in our relationship. And yeah, it's been good. Yeah, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Counterculture uh, is a word that we talk about and think about a lot here. And um mainly because intuitive eating is counter to diet culture. So um, I just love that. <laughs> I never really thought of Christianity as counterculture until I started getting in the word daily. And I love that uh, definition. And I think I, I can't remember where I learned it, but the word holy, when you like define it means set apart. And so that always makes me think of counterculture. And yeah. I love that um, your relationship as you're leaning into the Lord is completely counterculture. And what a beautiful and powerful thing that is. Um, so I just want to uh, acknowledge how hard that is to do and, and mm -hmm. <laughs> give you a little but clap. It's been, That's awesome. It's been cool too, though, because then, you know, we've reconnected with other, my, my fiance did have a really good solid friend group at church that I've been so blessed to kind of inherit and they've just really taken me in and he always corrects me now it's not my friend group it's our friend group and it really is um but I mean they some of them too from from when they were dating at teenagers they you know they did the same journey and then um I've found a lot of other adult couples that are following a similar path as we are. And so I guess that's kind of one of the cool things of social media is finding other people that you probably wouldn't run into um, maybe in real life, but being able to hear their stories and um, kind of gain strength from one another. Mm -hmm. But definitely. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it, I don't, I don't make this or mean to make this sound like it's been easy by any means, you know, doing a whole <laughs> 
lifestyle change is never easy, but it's absolutely been worth it. And to, to have a man of God that is just focusing on helping me grow closer to God and what a way to feel respected going into a marriage. Like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Powerful. I love that. So where was your relationship with food in all of this? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I actually was a super picky eater growing up. It wasn't really until college that I started to explore food on my own um, and really just like love the taste, texture, all the aspects of food. Like I remember my first semester of college, I would like text my parents that I ate like a veggie sandwich with tomato and onion and like fresh dressing. And they're like, you ate that? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, it was delicious. But um, I definitely, you know, I, I struggled a little bit um, with eating and, you know, knowing what I know now is I consider myself an eating disorder informed dietitian. So I'm not necessarily trained to work directly with eating disorders. One of my good friends is, and so I've learned so much from her. Um, but yeah, looking back on my journey with food, there's definitely been times where I haven't had a healthy relationship with food, like in high school, when I was going through a period when girls were being really mean to me and I was kind of looking for identity in a relationship. I, I remember some guy like making a comment that I was like looking chubby and like starting to like, and then I saw this like diet diet, like green tea thing on the shelf. And I picked it up, like not even really thinking through it, but just like, I don't know, just, uh, um, yeah. It's like Um, reacting to it. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Just a reaction to what had just happened. Um, and then at other times really seeking food for comfort, um, and not eating balanced outside of that. Like there was periods that I was an athlete. Um, I played soccer only for one year in high school, but I really did enjoy playing soccer. And I so specifically remember this moment. Um, I was always like fast. Um, so I had like a breakaway. I played for, left forward in soccer. I remember I had a breakaway with the ball. And I like got away from all the other players. I had perfect goal scoring opportunity and I like slightly tripped and just like collapsed. Like I just had no energy. I wasn't eating to fuel myself. Um, I just really wasn't like I, (laughs) I would like get, maybe I would stop at a gas station and eat like Reese's and green tea and a couple of breadsticks and just like go home and like binge watch the OC or something. And not to say that any of those foods are bad, right. But like, I wasn't eating any of the nourishing foods either. And I just wasn't properly feel, I probably wasn't eating enough Mm -hmm. being an athlete either. Um, but yeah, I saw you laugh, Charles, but you like the (laughs) The the OC. OC. (laughs) I love the OC. Oh man. And I probably watched it years after it came out, but I've never been a big TV person, so I usually oh, like I catch like, on to shows after. OC. We were like waiting <laughs> for Thursday nights or whatever to watch. Yeah. Oh. So when did you find intuitive eating, Megan? Um, I want to say grad school. Um, I don't remember hearing about it before grad school, and that's kind of just another thing with my journey too is so in undergrad I studied nutrition and food science I wasn't really I was kind of going back and forth a little bit about the dietetics route Um, and then I did take a year between undergrad and grad school to um, do AmeriCorps which was like community service I did a um, with the cooking matters program in Detroit which was great experience but in undergrad I I definitely kind of fell into that typical like dietetics when you're so into it, you like start to feel like you can only eat what's labeled as these healthy foods, you know? Um, And I did find myself like kind of going into this arena of, of starting to fixate too much on what I was eating. Right. Um, 
And there's, there's, of course, we want people to be healthy. We want people to eat healthy, quote unquote, what diet culture calls healthy foods. Let me just relabel them as fruits, vegetables, what they are, whole grains, things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I started to get a little too narrow-minded into this is what I'm learning about is healthy. And so I can't eat these other things. Like I've always been someone that enjoys desserts and sweets. And I found myself thinking like, well, I can't eat that. Like I shouldn't eat that. And then I, I would absolutely. I saw that like restrict and binge cycle of I'm not letting myself have this. And now I'm going to make a batch of brownies and eat half the batter. <laughs> um, I love that you called it narrow-minded. That is such a great yeah, way to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it kind of, yeah, it like makes it you too exactly focused, too hyper-focused and you're not seeing the whole picture. So I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about this, but now I just talked so much about the whole health. Like you have to look at the big picture. Yes. Like one food is not gonna break your health status, let's say, or it's not gonna immensely change your weight from its set point, things like that. Um, but yeah, that was definitely something that looking back on undergrad, like I think is kind of a flaw of a lot of dietetics programs. And I, I think, and I hope some are starting to talk more about weight inclusivity and maybe even intuitive eating. I really hope I don't, I guess I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, I, like I started to say, it wasn't until grad school, I went to the university of Minnesota, um, and a couple of gals that I met through that program were very passionate about intuitive eating and health at every size. And just having so many fruitful conversations with them really opened my eyes. And it just made so much sense to me. Like I was focusing on public health. So that's what I studied. Um, and then it also was a coordinated dietetics program and trying to think about how you can make health accessible to everyone is not this cookie cutter. This is what health is. This is what diet culture is telling us health is. That is just, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir when I talk to both of you, but that's just not what it is. Yeah. yeah that is one of our um, complaints that we like to highlight. I mean, not just in terms of health and speaking to people on a human level, but specifically as Christians, we are supposed to be inclusive. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be loving and helping everybody and not setting up our definitions and statuses of things to exclude people and to condemn people. Like that is not what it's about. Sure. And, and diet culture has definitely set up a hierarchy where, you know, Christianity is saying everybody's equal. There is no hierarchy. Um, yeah. So I love, uh, I love that you are, you studied public health and are, are working in that. I think that is so important. Um, thank you yeah. <laughs> for doing that work. <laughs> yeah, I think that, well, I get really fired up about this. So guys just say Charlie enough. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, girl. <laughs> I think like someone that has studied public health, it becomes so clear to you how limiting diet culture is, how ostracizing diet culture is, how it really becomes this way of like, you're this holy, good, acceptable, worthy person if you eat this way and live this way and do these things. And there are so many people in the world, in America, that they they could never possibly live up right. to that standard. And Oh, I just like, I get so frustrated with like public health initiatives that are so like eat, eat this way, do these things, um, in areas that that's, that's unattainable for people. They have food insecurity. They're working two jobs to feed their, there's just, there's so much real practical, like day-to-day things that people are going through and experiencing that. Like if you can't meet them there, if you can't meet them there and work with work with what they have, what's available and accessible to them to, to achieve, you know, like the best nutritious options and things like that for them, 
you're not serving them right. at all. All you're doing is ostracizing them. Absolutely. Yeah. And then to, to have this like pseudo wellness industry, diet culture, whatever you want to call it, that's putting, I mean, look at the media we're surrounded with that's saying like, look this way, be this way to be healthy. So now they're questioning their choices of food that they even have access to eat or they're, you know, they're feeling guilt and shame because that's their only option of what they have to eat for that meal. Mm -hmm. Um, I had like put a post on Instagram last week, like I started this new job and I ate homemade meals all week and then just didn't have time to grocery shop. So I went and got some Taco Bell and my coworkers were like, you're a dietitian and you ate fast food. And I was like, you know what? It sounded good and it tasted good. And I sure did. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and it's, I tried to explain a little bit in our newer relationship that we have that, you know, all foods can fit into a healthy eating pattern. Right. And that is just such a big ostracizing label of diet culture is that fast food is a hundred percent bad. Um, there's these different types of foods that are hundred percent bad. They can't fit into a healthy lifestyle. They, you know, but to some people, like that's all that they have available at times. And I have definitely worked on initiative in my public health studies of getting healthy food. I feel like I should not even use that term because diet culture has stolen it from us. I kind of want to like re-steal it back. Yeah. Yeah, So, so nutrient dense foods. So we'll say fruits, vegetables, whole grains, even, you know, dairy products, just the food groups, the staple foods into communities, um, whether that be through like food boxes or even stocking them where people shop, because some people don't even have things like that stocked where, where they shop, where, is walkable and accessible for them to shop. Um, and then through the Cooking Matters program in grad school, also actually teaching people what to do with food. Like a lot of people don't grow up learning how to cook and how to prepare food at home. Um, and I mean, you can make these um, nu- nutritiously dense meals on a budget, but there's a learning process behind that. Um, and even with that, there's a lot of stigma. Like we, you know, we would talk about like how there's benefit in both fresh frozen and canned fruits and vegetables. Cause a lot of times people will say like, oh, well, canned is obviously not as healthy or not as good or valuable. And it moralizes food when food is not a moral issue. Yes. Oh, they're building hierarchies on vegetables, y'all. I don't like it. <laughs> Come on, right? Yes. And then there's also the piece of meeting people culturally appropriate. Yes. Right? Like you can't go into a community and say the only way to eat is this like American idea of nutritious, healthy foods. Like let's meet people in their culture. Right. And cook their foods. Right. Nutrient dense. And that really starts with, you know, the field of, dietetics like who who are we I mean look at you know most dietitians are white females um so what are the barriers to these dietetic programs that a more diverse population that would actually be representative of the people we're serving what are those barriers to them getting into the programs and I know what some of them are and we don't need to get into it too much but that's kind of where it starts, right? Like um, we can do as much learning about other cultures and, you know, I've done that. And, you know, I definitely have worked with people that look and have been, are from different environments, different cultures than I am. And, you know, you can build rapport with them, but it's just, it's really not the exact same as, you know, working with and learning from someone that's more representative of you when, um, yeah, so that's kind of just another, this is making me diversify dietetics. Yes. Yes. Let's diversify health, dietetics, the church, (laughs) our media, all things. I just want to call something out here, mostly, um, outing myself for, in case anybody is 
hearing all of this talk about, you know, health across other communities and different kinds of foods and just thinking about other people. If you have never thought of those things before, like that was me. Like I, I hear you, I see you. <laughs> I've only yeah. started thinking about this stuff now um, and doing this work and thinking about, you know, the bigger implications of health at every size and weight neutrality and, and health as like a societal problem and therefore, you know, something that Christians need to be working on. But when I thought about food, when I was dieting, food was me. I didn't even care what anybody else in my house was doing. So um, I just want to acknowledge yeah. there's a big gap there, yeah. a big gap, and that's okay. Yeah. Maybe this I'm is the first time you've heard something like this and yeah. um, just, just be curious about it and, um, mm-hmm. and know that I mean, it's so, the world's so big. Even the issue of food and health is so big. And the right. narrow mindedness that dieting forces you into, um, mm-hmm. you can break out of that. And you I'm will. S- yeah, I'm so glad that you said that because I think that that's so important because I feel like in the field of nutrition and dietetics now, there's actually this divide of who is a dietitian that is more non-diet or intuitive eating and then who's not, you know, right? And one of my favorite quotes, I have it right here in my office with you is, um, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. And that's by Maya Angelou. And even me going through undergrad and until a certain point in my life, I didn't know I was doing harm by telling people that, certain things were good for them and bad for them. And, um, regarding food, of course. Um, but yeah, show yourself some grace. If this is new to you, um, this is, this message is for awareness. It's not at all to make you feel shameful that you had no idea. You know, you have your lived experiences, you know what you know, and, start to educate yourself because the journey towards having a healthy relationship with food and your body and finding that freedom, you know, above all in Christ, but um, also translating that identity and that grace into what you eat and the way that you look at your body and treat your body is just so redemptive, so transformative. And it's a journey. It's not an overnight process, but it is so worth it. Yeah. Let's say like shame and condemnation are from the enemy. They yes. are not from God. Yes. God will give you some conviction right now. Right. And then he will give you the grace and the power to do something with it. Whereas Absolutely. the enemy wants you to feel condemned and shameful and just sit with it. Um, and I think, I think this is such a good, this conversation is such a good illustration of how like you learn intuitive eating and it's, it starts off as like about me, right? Cause the diet, that was all about me. And then intuitive eating was all about me. And then it wasn't <laughs> like yes. you learn health at every size and it all like it spills over. And then we start thinking about the church and, and, and what we're talking about here is that in, in God's family, all foods fit, all bodies fit, all skin colors fit, like everything fits. We're all God's children and we've got to, we've got to talk about it. We've got to talk about the benefits of different foods and the joys of different cultures and the awesomeness of people's different blessings and skills. And, you know, there's just, there's so, there's such a fruitful, beautiful tasteful, exciting world out there. Yes, absolutely. You got to embrace it, folks. Mm -hmm. And that's part of living a joyful life and a whole, you know, a life focused on whole health, not just this, again, narrow-minded tunnel vision of a diet that makes all these promises that it just doesn't fulfill on. And yeah. Yeah. Megan, you said something a second ago that I just loved. I wrote it down. And so I'm going to circle back to that. You said translating the grace and identity into what we eat. And that is everything. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I Can said you, that. No, just you said that. Could you unpack that for us? Like, 
What did that look like for you? What, what do you mean when you say translating uh, God's grace and our identity in Christ into what we eat and how we see our bodies? Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of touched on like how we tend to moralize food and kind of just tracing back to my childhood a little bit. I feel like I was, you know, we had family dinners, we had kind of just the traditional American meal. Um, but we definitely, one thing that we did in our household was really putting on a pedestal our like snack cabinet and our desserts and things like that. Um, so I really did, I think at a younger age than I, for sure, than I realized started to develop this mentality that when I'm good, I get to eat this type of food or this type of food is good. This is like bad, but I, you know, just like that kind of confusion. Um, but I, and yeah, it's, it's, that's a hard mentality to overcome. Um, and when realizing though, that all foods can fit in a healthy balanced diet, um, sorry, <laughs> I lost my train of thought a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't, I guess maybe I don't need to backtrack that much. Sorry. Could you guys no, it's, that, don't, don't worry about it? Don't worry about it. No, it's um, when you realize that all foods fit. That is that is the recognition that lets you translate the concept. I'm not earning worthiness with food. I'm not being good or bad with food. Like we're taking morality totally out yes. of the picture. Absolutely. And when we live that and how we approach food, that's really translating the grace and applying it and living it out right. and internalizing it and then externalizing it and how we show up and how we interact with food and body and other people. And I guess the truth of it too, is that, you know, we can talk about these different things, like having the right mentality around, th around food, but really at the end of the day is a lot of times it's not actually about the food. So these yes. identities that or the identity that I was struggling with and this unforgiveness of myself translated into eating it translated into shame of about very insignificant changes in my body right like and having that be my identity and worth and getting to the root of that and God's grace being poured out into that was just transformative um and yeah having that grace overflow into all areas of your life it's again, it's a little, it's a little counterculture. It's a little bit of that holiness that, or it's a lot of that holiness. It's being set apart. Um, and it's really surrender, like letting God transform you, letting God, um, because we don't do anything to deserve his grace. We don't do anything to be called children of God. We we are, we are worthy, loved children of God. He created us. He named us he died on the cross for our sins like the gospel that is the grace um that we then can use to embrace food freedom embrace who we've been made to be um and really just living out our calling in God and living for his glory can be so suppressed by focusing on this tunnel vision of dieting this you know when people do calorie counting, or even when you're, again, like only letting yourself have certain foods, and then you're, you're hopping into that restrict binge cycle, and you're not actually letting yourself enjoy the foods that your body is craving. I always say that energy, so like the actual energy that you get from food, plus satisfaction equals fullness, because you need both. If you're not enjoying your food, if you're never satisfied with what you're eating, you're not going to be full. You're not able going to be, you're not going to be able to live a full life and to be fully nourished. Um, so but yeah, I, I actually um, participated in um, Aubrey and Casey's Joyful Health mm -hmm. series too, um, because yes. even as a dietitian, I, you know, this was 
early, pretty early on now dating my now fiance, Jonathan, I just was still at a point where I was like, you know, I was even doing intuitive eating, but I wasn't completely getting to these root issues of why am I still struggling with body image? And again, like even when you've kind of embraced that grace, I think you still have bad body image days, right? We're human. We, um, yeah, so, but I definitely was just getting to a point. Sorry, one second. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, you know, even like their support and just, again, like getting to that root cause and because it is such a journey, you know, even when you embrace intuitive eating, even when you embrace God's love and God's grace, like it's a day to day, like it's preaching your gospel, preaching the gospel to yourself and reminding yourself of that every single day, because we can so easily fall into these traps and the lies of the enemy. And, um, our, our church has talked a lot about, um, replacing these lies with truths and helping that to form your identity in Christ. And it's, it's not a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. It's a practice. Um, yeah, I think like we've talked about before how the dieting, the, the perfect body, the, whatever it is that you're striving after, you know, you really hit it on the nose that really what we're striving after is like this control and this desire to be good enough. Like whenever you find that you're like anxiously obsessing or striving after something like you're trying to feel, you're trying to feel something. You're trying to prove your worth or prove your identity through this perfect eating or perfect, whatever it is. And that's something for me that now has become like this alert. <laughs> like if I start feeling like really anxious about something, um, sometimes even it's still like I used to, when, when I was a little obsessed, more than a little obsessed, I used to get like, <laughs> cold sweats anxiety about my workout Mm. and now sometimes um I'll be getting ready for some joyful body movement Mm -hmm. and I'll start to have like a little bit of anxiety and I'm like what is that like Mm -hmm. why am I feeling anxiety about this and the the answer is always when I start feeling super anxious about something the answer is always for me oh, I think that my performance there means something about who I am as a person or mm-hmm. my worth. Um, and let's like back that up. Like I'll start to get so anxious about like a meeting at work or something and that back it up, Charlie, like right. your performance in whatever this is has nothing to do with your worth, your value, right. who you are. Um And that really, really, really helps me pinpoint when something's off. Yeah. Starting to feel that like worry about it or that anxiety about it. Um, And I know you, you too, and everybody listening, like has felt that with food or your workout schedule or your sleep schedule or your quiet time with God or whatever those things are. If you're feeling like this anxiety and this pressure like get, like, ask yourself, what's the heart of this? Mm-hmm. What's the, like, why, why am I feeling anxiety and pressure around this? What am I trying to achieve? Yeah. That why is huge. Like the why behind. And again, that, that goes back to the mentality, but I think that is an even more important question because when you have a genuine why for doing things that you feel comfortable and you feel confident in, that changes things. And like you said, though, you're still, yeah, you're still, especially if you're coming from this place of rigid diet and exercising, it's going to take time to come out of that. You're going to have anxieties. I've, I've told people before too, it almost was when I started to slow down that I started to have more anxiety because it was just, I was, in this rhythm of living that I wasn't dealing with things so that when I started to slow down, it was almost just like, well, this is weird and uncomfortable. (laughs) Now I have to actually sit with my feelings. Yeah. 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 I love that why point. That's something we've said before. It's not, 
necessarily even what you're doing, but why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So like the what being a workout, which, you know, joyful body movement is a great thing. But if the why Mm -hmm. that you're doing it is to get rid of this anxiety about not getting, you know, your five workouts that week (laughs) or whatever it is. (laughs) Hey, if you want to move five times and you can do it joyfully and not have anxiety, go for it. That was just, that was just a very specific example from my past. Hence that voice. (laughs) But that's going to look so different for everyone. That was Aaron's crazy workout voice. (laughs) (laughs) We got a lift. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, if you're why, if you can really get to the bottom of why you're doing something or why you're having the reaction or the behavior or the feeling that you're having, like, I think uh, that is a huge part of um, mindfulness and awareness, which is, of course, a part of intuitive eating, but also, you know, checking in, checking your heart and making sure you're still in alignment with the Lord, which I'm like, oh, I didn't realize how much mindfulness was necessary for my faith until I had to constantly be checking my heart. Yeah. I even want to talk about like, I have to go through this stuff all the time, just an FYI. Me too. (laughs) I have to go through this all the time. And like the workout thing has been one recently. They'll be like, why am I feeling anxious about this? Oh, Mm. because I was thinking that my performance there matters, but that's actually not why I want to do that. I want to do that so I can run and play with my kid. Oh, whatever I do there will be great. You know? Right. Um, But I even think about, and this is like hard to admit, woo, digging in deep, but like, (laughs) you know, I was leading Bible study groups at church um, and kind of like feeling anxiety about it or like feeling frustrated with it or, and having to dig into why am I doing this? Mm. Oh, I was doing it like for me. I was doing this like for me to look good or um, for me to help some people or so like I had like, oh, I need to step away from this until I can come to do this for God. Yeah. Um, and that's how that's how so many things may be, right? Like I really had to step away from movement and I really had to step away from like nutritious eating for a while. Um, and maybe a little bit too long <laughs> until I felt like really ugh. And then I had to like like, okay, what are the, what are my real whys of why I want to eat a a nutritious, you know, way of eating a nutritious diet. I don't mean that in a, I just mean that in the foods that I eat daily, you know, Mm -hmm. and why do I want to move my body? And when you get to whys like, oh, because, you know, when I, when I fuel myself well, and I move my body regularly, then I'm really available to play with my kid. I feel good. And I want to um, go to church activities instead of wanting to take a nap or, you know, whatever those things are, if you can get to the, to whys that are in line with your core values and your purpose in Christ, you will get somewhere. But if your whys for doing those things are to earn worth, to change your body, to be loved, it, it's going to fall flat and you're going to get nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. So Megan, can you give us a couple of whys that are just like rooted in grace and just rooted in identity? And maybe somebody doesn't have this motivation yet, but something to shoot for, or maybe one of yours, whatever you feel. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm in this season of engagement. And so just, you know, preparing for a marriage where our our marriage is on mission, on um, you know, living together to serve God, and and definitely, you know, my why behind everything that I do now, walking and living with Jesus, is is to glorify Him. Um, but I think more, you know, more tangible and maybe relatable is to be a whole version of myself, to be a balanced version of myself. Um, to take care of myself and truly take care of myself, not just like doing things because I think I need to do them to be a better friend, sister, um, fiance. Um, And yeah, to, to look forward to some of those things you were just talking about, Charlie, Um, you know, we want to have a family someday and um, 
I I'm exercising with this strength goal of wanting to be a strong mama someday that, you know, can chase around kids and have this endurance. Um, I'm by no means like exercising to fit into a wedding dress. Like I bought a wedding dress that fits my body because I now, I love this body that has carried me through this journey that I've, you know, that I've been on. And this, this is the body that God created me to live in. Um, and don't get me wrong again, there's, there's days that I look in the mirror and the enemy let, you know, lets me kind of think about things that would change about myself or that I don't love, but it's, it's that grace of saying, okay, but this is really for you, God. And, um, there's just something so different when Jesus is your why, you know, when that him and his grace, when it transforms your whole life, it's different. It's so different. Um, and there's been, you know, a little bit of talk with like the season of COVID of people really needing the source of hope and, you know, with virtual churches being more accessible and, you know, maybe people are seeking God out more now than they were before. And I, I just really hope that that's the case because walking with God is like nothing else. I mean, nothing of this world is going to fulfill you. Um, your human flesh isn't going to fulfill you. Yes. Sin feels good. Sometimes it does, but it's very short lived gratification. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Totally agree. Oh, good stuff. Okay. Good stuff. Well, Megan, we actually have a couple of uh, fun little wrap-up questions that we like to okay. do. But before we before we get into that, could you just share um, where people can connect with you online and um, just all of that good stuff? Yeah, so I mostly hang out on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at gracerooted.rd. Um, so that's where you will find me. I do also have just like a Facebook page, Grace Rooted Nutrition, um, but I'm mostly on Instagram. Nice. Excellent. All right, Char, you got these questions ready? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so our first question that we must always ask that we love is coffee or tea and how do you take it? Oh, that is a hard question um, because I love both. Yeah, both. Um, I'm actually really sensitive to caffeine though. So I'm kind of like a grandma that drinks decaf coffee like all day. I love it. Um, but my favorite coffee drink is a Cortado, which um, is kind of like a small latte if you've never had it or heard of it, but it's more like equal parts steamed milk and espresso. So I actually love the flavor of strong coffee. I just usually have to drink decaf. <laughs> Well, now I got to try a Cortada. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yummy, yummy. Um, just some evidence that everybody's body is different, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm like, give me the caffeine. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Ooh, I have recently had that debate with uh, my fiance's family. I do actually love dark chocolate. I had to like convince them that I like, I love it. And it kind of is a acquired taste. So like as a kid, I never liked it, you know? Um, but then I have had like a piece of Valentine's day. It was not that long ago. I had a, like a dove milk chocolate and I was like, you know, this is actually really good and creamy too, mm-hmm. but I, I still think I would pick dark chocolate. Like I love dark chocolate with like nuts and and a cookie or any which way, <laughs> just not too dark, like 90% or something that better is a little too dark for my taste. Yeah. I remember the dieting days of forcing myself to eat like super dark, dark, dark chocolate. I love dark chocolate, but there's yeah. a that it's like too much. Right. Um, okay. Would you rather have a book printed on paper or an ebook reader? Like how do you prefer to read? If I'm reading it, definitely a hard copy, but I do a lot of audiobooks. So my fiance actually lives three hours away finishing school. So we do a lot of driving back and forth to see each other on the weekend. So I love the audiobook option. I really love it when the author actually reads it because I feel like I kind of get to know yes. the author a little bit, which is fun. Yes, I love long drives simply because I get to binge listen to a podcast or 
ebooks so much. Yes. Okay, the first CD you ever remember buying. Oh, um, I know the first concert I went to was the Hansons. Yes, mom. <laughs> um, Mm, my sister had Spice Girls. I don't think that that one was actually mine. I think my first CD purchase was either Britney. I think it was Britney Spears, like her original album with the pink cover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like she had like a jean skirt on. Yes, that's oh, yeah. the one. Yep. I'm with you there, girl. You guys are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you ma- rather take a trip to Target or a trip to a flea market? Ooh, um, I'm going to have to say Target. I I love the idea of like thrifting and buying things secondhand, but I'm not like the go-to friend of like how to do it successfully. So I would have to just say Target's my safe place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, this is going to be fun. What is, in your opinion, the best invention ever? Oh man, the best invention ever. I mean, probably the iPhone. Like what would I do without my iPhone? Um, Possibly the most used invention ever. (laughs) Wow, that's a tough question. It is. I'm trying to think like of little life hacks. This isn't really an invention, but one thing that my dad does that I feel like is so ingenious is he puts wine corks in the handle of like his hot pots so that you don't have to use an oven mitt to pick it up. You just like pick up the wine cork. So like, you know how there's a handle on like stainless steel pots that gets uh-huh. hot, right? Uh-huh. So he shoves like wine corks in there and then you always have a cork to pick up. I like that. <laughs> I know. Blowing my mind with that. I know. You should like Google like uh, how to do it because it's pretty... It's a pretty ingenious, like, invention, life hack. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Your dad is a clever one. I love that. He's, my dad's a really good cook. He's definitely the chef in the family, and he's definitely got some smart things like that. (laughs) I love that. What's your favorite (laughs) meal that he makes? Oh, that he makes? Um... Ooh, well, this is kind of on the brain right now, but we do a really delicious like corned beef meal for St. Patrick's Day. Mm. Um, and then we do like really delicious homemade Rubens after. Um, but he also like ages his own steak and things like that around Christmas. And sorry, I'm s- not sorry, but if anyone is like an ethical vegetarian or anything, I'm probably just <laughs> grossing you out. But yeah, I I have always I hang out joked, with your dad. Yeah, I've always joked that I could never give up meat because like how delicious these meals my dad makes. Like, yes, I love eating plants too, but yeah, Christmas steak dinner, St. Patrick's Day corned beef. And honestly, he's just such a good day-to-day cook too. Like we had a family of six growing up and he would just make meals in bulk and freeze them and everything he makes is delicious. Like I'm not even being a suck up daughter. Like (laughs) we like keep telling him like, dad, please do a cookbook because we all need to know your recipes yes. for like generations to come. And he has started one. Um, but then also he's just like one of those good cooks that can just like kind of whip up a recipe. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like write it down, write it down. <laughs> I need to recreate this later. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. What a gift. What a wonderful um, talent to have and share with the family. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Yes. We all love good food. We love to eat together and that's, very important to us. Yeah, Very such important. a good way to connect across um, generations of a family and just uh, sitting around the table. There is nothing quite like that with loved ones. So that is wonderful that you have that in your family. I love it. Yes. Well, would you uh, would you close us in prayer, Megan? Yeah, absolutely. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for this time to be able to chat with Aaron and Charlie and. I just pray over their podcast. I just pray over the listeners um, that this this message of your truth and your grace would just resonate with them and just plant a seed in their heart um, to flourish in your timing and through your work, not our work. Um, 
I just thank you so much, Lord, for the grace that you have poured out into my life. Um, and I just pray that you would help each and every one of us to embrace this grace, embrace our identity in who you are and who you say we are. Um, and just knowing and living in confidence that it's not what we do, it's not what we eat, um, but actually living a joyful life, living a life um, of whole health and most importantly, growing closer to you, um, our, our source of spiritual nourishment um, and our good God, our Father. I just thank you so much for everything that you have given us in this life and the faithfulness that you provide when we seek you. I thank you again for this opportunity today and just pray over the listeners that they are showered with your peace and grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. We hope you were reminded of and redirected to God's love for you. If this episode encouraged you, please take a moment and send it to someone who might need this message so that they can find encouragement too. This podcast was produced by Oh Shoot Productions and made possible by the grace of God and the support of women like you. Thank you for being a part of the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women community. We'll see you in the next episode.